Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. NFL playoffs right around the corner and the NBA season in full swing. Bet Online has you covered with all of the up to the second odds, news, and scores. With additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime. Head there today to get in on the action and see all the updated odds. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right, folks. Well, thanks for listening in. This is episode one of season six, as we are now in 2024. So happy new year to all of you. Hope that you had a wonderful holiday, Christmas and Hanukkah and um, and any other holiday that uh, you might celebrate. As I, as I mentioned, appreciate you being with us and making us uh the top entertainment sports entertainment media sports law podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Evans, and this is the California Sports Lawyer Podcast. So we have an interesting uh, topic we're going to be talking about today uh, as we sort of uh, kick off uh, season six. We're looking at uh, carriage and streaming deals. So carriage, I'm referring to, you know, your sort of cable carriers, you know, so if you will, uh, NBC, ABC, CBS, uh, TNT, anything to do with sort of uh, cable channels, cable carriers like um, um, you'd say Charter or Spectrum or Xfinity Comcast, you know, that sort of thing. And of course, if um, if you're using satellite, you know, same thing, if you've got a satellite dish, whatever that comes with dish network or that sort of thing. So that's what I'm talking about with cable carriers. And you know, ultimately in the past, uh, there was a lot of dispute between carriers and streamers, mainly because streamers were essentially replacing cable carriers. But I think we may be coming to a point where the two sides are realizing that um, they need each other to survive, at least for the interim. And we'll break down a couple of deals that have occurred between Disney and Charter, and of course, a more recent deal between Paramount and Comcast Xfinity. So let's get into this. Well, as I mentioned in the past, it wasn't so pretty, if you will. And you had, you know, ultimately cable carriers looking uh, to continue to keep their customers. But of course, they've had the problem of growing audiences that are cord cutting and getting rid of uh, their cable packages. While the streamers have continued to um, gain uh, subscribers, if you will. And even though you might say from a board of directors or stock standpoint, uh, some of these um, streaming companies may not have had the best bottom lines, if you will. Uh, but it's also been a situation where they clearly have engaged in um, increasing subscribers, whereas on the cable side, they have not gained in uh, customers for, for cable. Uh, they've clearly lost and that continues to go down. So 
that's sort of the situation that we find ourselves in. But, you know, ultimately where cable continues to survive is with folks who are either of an older generation, uh, when, when you're listening or watching um, a live sports broadcast or in live news, right? And so those are really the three things keeping cable alive. And of course, there's been this idea that for the most part, a lot of sports packages have been in cable and uh, it's going to take time for those deals to transfer over to streaming. And of course, as long as you still have cable subscribers or customers, you're still going to have uh, the need to reach them, right? Because you don't want to just cut off an entire audience when you can reach both. And when you're looking at some of these um, deals between cable carriers and streaming, as I mentioned, there was the Disney and Charter deal, and then more recently now, uh, the Paramount and Comcast Xfinity deal, where you now have the ability for Disney to host its channels on Charter to its cable customers, and Paramount similarly has the ability to put its um, programs on Comcast Xfinity um, to sort of send those out to those cable subscribers. By the way, Comcast being owned um, or at least uh, with control by um, through NBC. So I think arguably Comcast probably has the, the majority board seats in that um, in that situation because of the the vast market share of Comcast and the money that it brought at the table. But ultimately, NBC and Comcast are, are uh, under the same roof, so to speak. So you would you would think that this sort of cable package and streaming would be a match made in heaven, right? As these cable sort of carriers and streamers come together because they need each other. But it wasn't always that way. You know, the Disney and Charter uh, communications deal was uh, took very long and uh, had was displayed in public uh, in many ways that I think both CEOs probably uh, might regret. And, you know, ultimately it put Disney in a really bad spot because they're trying to get their channels on and get their games on. Cause of course, Disney owns ESPN and ABC. They're trying to get their product onto charter. And of course, Disney also owns uh, a lot of the Fox assets in that purchase. And, you know, so again, they want to get their programs on and, you know, ultimately, Charter was able to get a lot of concessions out of Disney, mainly uh, the idea of having some of the streaming packages included with the cable. So you might get, you know, Disney Plus. It might be an ad tier version or maybe even a premium version, but that was one of the big deals that came out of this. And ultimately, Disney wanted to have the leverage to say, we want our stuff to be separate. We want our Disney Plus and that sort of thing to be separate and not appear on this platform. Uh, for cable. Uh, but ultimately, I think the leverage was in Charter's favor uh, because Disney doesn't get his product out. You know, ultimately, that that hurts uh, Disney. That being said, it also hurt a char- would hurt Charter because it'd be in a situation where Charter would need that content to continue to have its customers, right? Because if Charter all of a sudden said, we no longer carry ESPN or ABC, we no longer have any of those sports uh, matches on, and of course, I think you might lose some cable subscribers. And of course, Paramount and Comcast Xfinity brokered a similar deal, uh, I would say on a smaller level, just based on the fact that uh, Paramount is not as large of a content creator as Disney or producer, I should say. So of course, but again, you have to kind of look back at the history of this because 
you know, ultimately these two sides were competitors and they still are, but I think they're starting to see a shift in that um, these two sides really need each other to survive. Uh, you know, you're going to need uh, cable to reach certain customers, you're going to streaming to reach certain customers. And you even had some of these companies that have tried to create streaming packages or create streaming opportunities so that it, it can be a part of their existing offering, which is exactly what Charter was doing when it said we want to have Disney Plus as a package deal with what we're doing or a bundle, if you will. Now, look, as we mentioned, there are still a large number of people utilizing cable to consume television and film, uh, especially for live sports, news, and even for the elder generation, as we talked about. It seems that the number of cord cutters will continue to rise, at least that's what the statistics show, uh, until either it normalizes and there's sort of a, a base level of cable subscribers or technology and delivery of streaming rises to a level that, that uh, feels comfortable for all people to replace cable. I think that probably will eventually happen. Um, and I think eventually some of these cable companies will get into streaming and buy into that. Maybe with some, some more mergers in that context, but that's pretty much sort of where it, where it sits now. And I think also, as we mentioned, it's going to take some time for some of these existing sports and rights packages to expire before streaming companies can swoop in and offer a better deal or better distribution, right? So it's going to take time for the Amazons and the Paramount Pluses and you know these other companies that are doing streaming with sports, uh, HBO or Max now, uh, to put that content on there. Uh, so until that happens, again, there's going to be uh, this sort of shared space, right? And now look, advertising and viewership continues to be the driving factor in live sports uh, value and pricing. So for example, it was reported for the 2024 Rose Bowl, a semifinal game between Alabama and Michigan, that over 27 million people with a peak of 32 million people in the uh, fourth quarter listened in are uh, uh, basically tuned into that game, right? So in that sense, knowing that fact, streamers have had to adjust their advertising offerings to make sure that when certain sports rights become available and related packages are offered, it's, it's a situation where um, those platforms will be available to take on sports, right? Because you need commercials uh, for live sports because that's where the money comes in. That's where the dollars come in. And the advertisers look at the viewership numbers. And of course, again, whether on the, the streaming platform, whether that's viewership numbers or whether that's minutes watched, either way, there's going to be a way to figure that out. And of course, with Netflix recently releasing a um, a lot of data regarding its streaming and what people were, were watching, I think gives you some insight into some of their programs. And I assume something similar could be done on the sports part. Now, of course, the pricing of this, because sports rights are expensive, is really the quintessential issue as to why Netflix has stayed away from purchasing uh, outright major sports broadcasts um, for the rights to stream them. And you know, instead, Netflix has sort of lived on the fringes, looking to profitable sports documentaries and any sort of cost-controlled endeavors, right? Where you know what production is, you know you can release it and have control over it, and you own it. Uh, unless you're licensing it to the platform, uh, which of course Netflix has also been working on to grow its library. 
Now, those, look, those things have been highly successful for Netflix, and they clearly have been profit-making endeavors. The F1 and Drive to Survive series was um, fantastic by all accounts and, and clearly um, was a moneymaker and clearly helped grow F1 and, and may have helped lead to the Las Vegas deal and bringing more F1 races to the United States because the popularity was there. Now, of course, Netflix also did introduce an ad tier in November of 23. Uh, so there's some glimmer of hope that Netflix lovers uh, might be able to see uh, some sports rights on there. We'll see. I think Netflix might start smaller at first, but until it becomes highly profitable, um, we'll sort of see what these deals. You know, of course, when ESPN and through Disney uh, and Amazon, these other companies purchase these rights, clearly they're looking for a profit and they wouldn't continue to purchase these rights unless there was a profit. So I think there's something, there is some there there. And, and I think ultimately Netflix is going to have to eventually move into that space uh, if it wants a piece of that proverbial pie. So now Netflix is also in an interesting place because they've not been quick to move into live sports. And I think there's a few reasons for this. I think one is because they were a first mover. So in business terminology, you might say a company that's the first mover is the first one in the space. They get a lot of advantages to being a first mover, you know, but of course, eventually the competition, you know, picks up and they have to sort of, um, you know, adjust and adapt and that sort of thing. And so as a first mover, they also had a lot of investment into streaming that they're now finding to see some of those profits come back. So Netflix was a company that was in debt for 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 many years until it uh, got to a point where it became more of a profitable making endeavor. Of course, Netflix as it's grown needs to build a library and of course the sort of lack of appetite to bring on more debt, the fact that they were a first mover, these are all things that play into Netflix's mind as to why they've held off on sports rights uh, beyond the fact that sports rights are very expensive. So it would seem that I think you know, going forward, there's clearly going to be more streaming deals to be had. There's clearly going to be more um, mergers and acquisitions, particularly uh, as we've talked about in the last couple of weeks, uh, the potential deal uh, between uh, Warner Brothers, Discovery, and Paramount. And if you just look over the past five, 10 years, I mean, five years especially, there's been so many different, you know, uh, mergers and acquisitions, you know, Microsoft and Activision, uh, NBC and Comcast, uh, obviously Disney and Fox, uh, and of course what happens with Hulu. All these different things are just very fascinating. And ultimately, if you go back in history and you look at what Hulu was, to give you kind of an idea of what cable companies might do, is Hulu was a shared project between, I think it was NBC, Warner, and um, Disney and Fox. They all, I think, own 25% or some variation thereof. And eventually pieces were sold off. And I think now it's mostly owned by Disney. And I think the full sale is going to go through within the next year, obviously pending approval by uh, the Justice Department for antitrust issues. But it kind of gives you some insight to that. And one other specific example I might give is if you look at the Los Angeles Dodgers and their deal with Spectrum, which was for 25 years and $8.1 billion dollars. This particular um, project was, it's been very profitable, clearly for the Dodgers, and I assume profitable, profitable for Spectrum. But Spectrum has had to buy up other companies 
to reach more cost, you know, cable uh, customers. And of course, a lot of fans have complained that they can only watch games if it's on Spectrum, if you have a cable package. Of course, again, highlighting the, the price and the value of live sports rights. But there's an idea here that maybe, um, and of course, folks who are outside of the, um, you know, Los Angeles and Orange County and the immediately sort of um, surrounding areas of Los Angeles uh, who who cannot watch on MLB, MLB TV, uh, they have to watch it on Spectrum. They have to be a cable subscriber. If you're out of market, you can watch it on MLB TV. Um, but ultimately, most of the fans, Dodger fans, um, or at least a large majority of them, are going to, going to be in Los Angeles, even though the Dodgers do travel well. And there's a lot of Dodger fans in other places. Uh, and clearly, that's only going to grow, particularly with the off-season acquisitions of um, Otani and Yashinobu and... Um, and Tyler Glass now, and whatever other deals they make, it's going to be a hot ticket in town. But the idea here is, is that would there be a possibility that Spectrum brokers some deal with a streaming platform to allow those games to go online? I don't think it hurts them. I think it only adds to their to their benefit. If they can come up with the right pricing for this and an add-on, I think this only helps them. You know, I, I think clearly it'd be a situation where, you know, if you're an Amazon subscriber or a max subscriber and you say, all right, you know, let's have this Dodgers channel, um, you know, on this application. Uh, let's do that. And uh, let's make it available for people that are in market. This is something the Padres have done. I think um, uh, the Diamondbacks have done too, when their deals with their um, regional sports net networks really kind of uh, crashed down. So they found uh, new ways to distribute that content. And I think for the most part, it's been successful. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, I think clearly, you know, the Dodgers have uh, an interesting position here. They've led attendance the last 10 years in Major League Baseball. Uh, and, of course, I think there's probably a lot of out-of-market viewing. We don't have that data, but with MLB TV. So we'll see. And I imagine most big market teams are probably like that. So we'll see. I mean, ultimately, maybe the most logical deal is that MLB TV, which is owned by Major League Baseball, gets together with Spectrum and they broker some sort of deal. But again, I could see Amazon or some other uh, deep-pocketed um, streaming company get involved in this. Now, of course, look, I mean, as I mentioned in the beginning, the fact that these deals are being brokered does not mean that it's easy. Disney and Charter, and I'm sure Paramount and Comcast Xfinity fought over things much like the, the SAG-AFTRA and WGA deals with the motion picture of folks, you know, these deals are very hard to come by. And ultimately, both sides, particularly the content creators, had to make a lot of concessions. Um, and I think maybe streamers were, were um, had to give up more than they were willing to in terms of uh, having sort of a varied paid platform packages. I guess they'd rather prefer to keep those things exclusive to drive the price up and to have more control. But the truth is uh, that neither side can afford to exist exist apart, and ultimately cable and streamers need each other, and uh, at least for now. Uh, and the people do too. Uh, the customers do too. So we'll see what, how, that, how that plays out in the future as uh, technology increases for streaming, as cable continues to uh, see losses in cord cutting, and as streamers become more adept at adding advertising, and as, uh, of course, um, the sports rights transfer from, as they expire, 
with cable packages and move over to streaming or at least offer that option. So we'll see. But folks, thanks again for listening in. I'm your host, Jeremy Evans. Uh, This is the California Sports Lawyer Podcast. As always, appreciate you being with us and making us the top-rated entertainment media sports podcast in the world. And uh, again, this was episode one of season six. This has been brought to you by Bet Online. And uh, thank you again for listening in to the Believe Network. We'll be back with you next week. Thank you so much.